Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. David, I'm so thankful that we're here today, and I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation, so I just want to welcome you to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Thank you very much for having me today. I'm really excited. So, David, we're talking about wellness, not just, you know, talking the talk, but actually walking the walk. So, when you think about wellness, what does wellness mean to you? Well, you know, interestingly enough, it's funny, and I'm going to break this question into two parts, right, because... If you would have asked me what wellness meant when I was a kid, you know, in my 20s, I would have just said, you know, uh, it's going to the gym and working out. And I would have left it at that. If you ask me at this point in my life, having just turned 48 on Sunday, um, it has a totally different meaning for me. And wellness is really an all encompassing kind of 360 degree view on a human being, which includes both their mental state and their physical state and and how they relate to the world. And they're either in good health or bad health or somewhere in between, but that, you know, wellness is kind of the overall scorecard for a person that that goes from A to Z and not just ending at their physical appearance. Is it so important for you to, to do this now with your team? Because like you and I have talked about, there was already a culture in place it, you had head up a lot of the culture at a certain point and it was inherited then then kind of like kept on institutionalized from what what it was why was it so important for you for your company to evolve as you did yeah so you know the the first and foremost thing that is the most bizarre ever is you know i took a look at my own life and said you know one time i went in for a a, a dentist appointment right and um I have a very, very high threshold for pain. And, uh, you know, I went in to see the dentist and he looks at me and he's like, David, I just got to ask you a question. You have your tooth is cracked in half. Okay. Half of it is missing and you have three exposed nerves and one of them's rotting and you're just now coming into the dentist. And I'm like, man, I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm like, sorry, I'm busy. And I only go once it's hurting. So you can really take that kind of uh, analogy with my tooth as everyone's health, right? They only go see a doctor when it's so painful they can't stand it anymore, right? And so if you break that down and you look at human beings in general, and I looked at the people here in my office, we had this mentality of, you know, I'll never forget, I celebrated once an employee who came into our Monday morning meeting covered in blood because the guy had gotten t-boned in an intersection up the street and left his car there tied a rag around his head where his head was split or sure a t-shirt and still made it to work and attended the meeting and i'm like yeah there you go way to be you know you know that's our, that's our guy well we're celebrate people overcoming adversity but that's actually a travesty because people don't put their health paramount So what is going to happen to virtually everyone who works in my office if we kept using that mentality, right? Every single one of them is going to meet with a major health crisis 
at some point in their life, whether it is, you know, they're so overweight, they have a heart attack or they, they just they burn out from stress or, you know, they, they start taking all these pills to sleep and wake up and everything else because they mentally can't handle what they're putting themselves through. Right. right? And so, you know, number one thing that I saw and it's it's most it goes back to that uh, thing we were talking about earlier, which is, you know, the Dalai Lama, when asked what the thing about human beings he thought was the most unexplainable item was that most human beings will sacrifice their health, their relationships, their family and their kids in pursuit of financial success. And then when they have the financial success, they spend all their money trying to buy their health back, create a new family with the new wife and the new kids because the other one is ruined because they hate him because he never spends time with them. And then what was it all for in the first place, right? So I take that to heart because that's what I wanted to fundamentally change in the business, which is your health and wellness comes first. First, not second and third, first. And so in doing that within the company, we had to create a environment where number one, everyone is not at the same fitness level. You have experts that work out every day. And you have people who haven't worked out in 17 years, okay? So you have to come up with a program that works for everybody on those ends of the spectrum and everybody in between, which is not easy to do. So the first place we started was education. So two days a week, we have what we call our healthy lunches. And they're all vegan, plant-based, no sugars, everything alternative. And we have lunches for the entire company. And during those lunches, we bring in speakers that educate them on uh, water intake, proper sleep, the benefits of sound healing and meditation. <clears throat> and the interesting thing that happened from there was most human beings, when they're given knowledge, it plants a seed and it's there. It doesn't go away. And so what I saw which was a am most amazing thing that I, I didn't believe would happen is that I would go to these lunches and gatherings that we would have before this and everybody would be talking about work, what they did on the weekends, you know, Game of Thrones, whatever. And, and, and now after planting the seeds of this education, I go to these lunches and literally hear this conversation, man, I'm trying to get my water intake for the day but I really don't like the taste of water. And the other guy shooting back saying, hey, guess what? I bought one of those soda machines that infuses flavors into the water and it's amazing. And I'm drinking these, you know, strawberry flavored drinks and I get my water down. And I'm like, oh my God, we planted the seed of how important water is and it's taken on a life of its own. These people are coming up with their own hacks of how to get their water intake. And I didn't have to teach anything on that. Now my own people, armed with the knowledge, understand how important water intake is and what dehydration and things cause downstream. And they're taking it upon themselves to figure out a way to meet a challenge because we gave them the knowledge of why it's so important. Well, and that's the reality for real change to happen. People have to, it really is inside of you, right? The motivation has to be, you just have to be armed with why do I want to do it? And I think when one of the things that you were sharing that I thought is so neat is you know, people were so willing to give our health away to an expert that spends five minutes with us and tells us you need this pill. 
And yet we spend 24 hours a day inside of ourselves. We can know, we can make the biggest impact and the biggest change. We just have to get quiet enough to be able to hear this. And so I love that you're doing this during work time because sometimes people won't buy out the time for themselves, but the fact that it's been gifted to them in a sense is really cool. So to me, that's- Well, you, well you, you know, you talk about that, Barbara, and I think that's the one most important thing. So for anybody out there that ends up watching this, that wants to take on some kind of health and wellness initiative, it is an investment. But who better to spend your money on and time and investing on than the people who are making your company work? Absolutely. It's the smartest spend you can make, and it's not that expensive, right? I mean, look, to be honest with you, what are some benefits we get? When we have those healthy lunches, our lunches are 45 minutes, and the people are right back at their desk versus the hour that they go out. So, yeah, we had to invest in the cost and materials of putting on the healthy lunch, but we're also probably gaining 15 minutes of time that these people would have been spending in transit or in their car traffic or getting a reservation at the table or whatever, and then maybe stopping in to do an errand on the way back. Now we have them here at the office captive and we picked up 15 minutes. Right. So although it is an investment in time and money in your people, you know, there are other wins that you get by doing this if you do it smartly. Well, a hundred percent. I would think that when somebody says, hey, I care enough to do this for you, there's a loyalty factor that cannot be measured in you know, an immediate dollar amount, but it feels good to know that your employer cares about you. And to me, that's probably a side benefit that's not even necessarily measurable. Yeah, I mean, we, we have actually, Barbara, we did some internal polling um, before and after about the environment, et cetera. And, you know, what I can tell you is I don't even need that polling because yeah. I see it, okay? I have an employee that, you know, is probably, you know, 100 pounds or so overweight, had had uh, lost a lot of self-confidence, uh, admittedly started being a recluse, didn't want to go out, didn't want to socialize, whatever. And I, I, I take my breakfast after I work out downstairs on the first floor near the gym. And she's in there every morning getting her steps in, hitting the treadmill, whatever. And I was sitting there and it was completely unsolicited. I didn't ask her opinion or how it was going. Just sitting there enjoying my eggs in the morning. And all of a sudden she comes in and says, you know what, David, I just want to let you know something by giving me the ability to work out here at work and uh, and learn about nutrition and drink my water and stuff. It has completely changed my mental health to where now I feel so much better about me, because even though I haven't shed a hundred and something pounds, I'm doing something about it. And I feel good about myself for putting in the effort to do something to change my life for the better. And it has made me want to interact with people more, have more self-confidence, be able to talk about the positive changes that I'm doing in my life to the people around me, which gets them happy because they know I'm doing something to take this, uh, take charge of my life uh, and not just be a spectator. And so, you know, I could do all the internal pulling in my life. And when I hear stories like that, that's all I need to hear. That's, that's all I need to hear. Yeah, I mean, you see the impact. And I think people don't realize that when you do something to take care of yourself, the message that you're sending yourself is, I care about you. And um, everything starts to kind of then reciprocate. So I have a question from an operations standpoint. You still obviously need to push your teams. There's still goals. There's still financial things you're going after. How do you balance the growing your team, pushing them, stretching them, 
but not burning them out on the flip side. Yeah. So, you know, look, number one, what I found is that with this ounce of prevention, you can buy pounds and pounds of goodwill to hit deadlines and work extra hours. Because to be honest with you, I mean, if you look at our schedule, there are three workout classes a day. There's an early morning, there's a mid-afternoon, and there's an early evening. So there are people who will literally walk from their desk, go downstairs, and join a Zumba class on Wednesday, come out dripping with sweat, jump in the shower we got downstairs, put their work clothes back on, and they're at their desk completely focused, ready to go. They got a little mental break. And by the way, these hit classes are 30 minutes. 30 minutes of intense workout and you are on your way and you burn enough calories within that 30 minutes around 400 to get your ample dose of working out your mind's right you've de-stressed you've unloaded all of the anger frustration and guilt that you have from the night before whatever out and you're back to work in in 15 minutes and so that's just our workout program on top of our workout program, which are these classes that are free and available three times a day, are also augmented by a yoga class, a sound healing class, a massage therapy class, a chiropractor session. And we just mix those things in. They're sign-up sheets. People walk in. They're like, oh, the chiropractors are today. They put themselves down right before lunch. They get up. They go down there. It takes 10 quick minutes to align their spine, get them in order. And they're back to work. And it was very low cost, low impact on the workday. But mentally, what it does for those people to take that break and pay their body and their soul the homage it deserves for carrying me through my journey in life, the 15 little minutes that I gave to it pays dividends that are priceless. Absolutely. I love that. So I know we rent homes, but we don't always take care of our home the best, our bodies. So, well, I have to know, though, how many times are you doing the Zumba class, like inquiring minds? You know, listen, I I will tell you (laughs) that uh, my uh, ability to laugh at myself only goes so far. And um, I, I will do one, a Zumba class, but that's the only one I haven't participated in. Because I, I think I feel like I need to practice at home a little bit before well, I go. You've got the Colombian girlfriend. I mean, Colombia yes. is like the salsa capital of the world. So. However, I will tell you, I have the one Colombian that says that I dance better than her. So oh, no. I, I, I came up short on that. I got the health and wellness, but when it comes to the oh, dance, I didn't, uh, okay, I came okay. up short. So you're bringing the rhythm. You're bringing yeah. the rhythm. Okay, exactly. well, I, I we have- We've had such a good conversation. We could go on forever. I want to do a quick fire because there's a few things I'm just curious about. And since I've got you, can we go for a few more minutes? Okay. So you talked a little bit to me before we started recording, but what is your morning routine like? So my morning routine is, is, is one that, um, that I had a, I had a guy the other day that started joining me, right. For my morning routine. And he asked me the question. He said, David, when am I ever going to come in here and just like to work out, like love it? I said, never. You're never, ever, (laughs) in my opinion, you never get to a place where you like it because you're waking up really early and you're going in and it's not natural and you're usually groggy and the sun's not even out yet and you're going into your workout. I said, the best you can hope for and when you get here, 
it's the it's the ultimate when you need it and i need it when i wake up it's not a choice anymore my mind and my soul and my body crave it so it's not something i have to make myself do because it is i need it like i need air and so i wake up every morning at 5 30 uh pack all my stuff at home come up to the office start working out at 6 a.m uh usually work out the first part is all stretching and 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 more stuff for my my mind and then the second half is a workout and that lasts till seven o'clock from at seven o'clock i go hit my meditation room uh which has a technology in there called the cocoon experience uh it is sound light healing and vibration uh a dr porter who gives ted talks uh talks about the effects of sound and light on the body and uh he's been studying it for 40 years and this all stuff used to be you know in the 70s you were a hippie you were a weirdo you were a kook how could you believe that and all of this stuff i find it hilarious that if those people that lived in those days could see where medicine was at today and the adoption of a lot of these modalities today that people swear by, including myself, that they would laugh and be yeah. like, wow, we're real trailblazers. David, everybody sees you and you you have had such good success in your career and you're building, you know, great things now. What do you what do you attribute it to? Is there a personality trait or a strength that you have that you really kind of say, hey, this is my secret sauce? Um you know, uh, the first thing I would start out with is um, I'm very open person to anything. And, um, you know, people always ask me, you know, like, why do you always win deals? Why do you always get the deal? Why do you always find the opportunity? Why do people show you things that they necessarily wouldn't show someone else? And, you know, in, in my mind, that stems around uh, being very positive. I'm a very positive person. I, I really truly believe anything is possible. I don't like the word no, or I can't, or that's impossible, or um, you know, no one can do that. Uh, those are the kinds of catchphrases that actually get me going and make me want to do something when someone tells me that's impossible or can't be done. And so if you, if you look at a lot of the things that I've had success in my life, um, I was told you'll never do that. When I built my first high rise in Chicago, um, I wasn't even a developer at the time. I was the management guy within our shop. And uh, all of the guys within our shop didn't have success in getting it done. They couldn't raise the money. They couldn't find the debt. And, you know, here I sat and said, you know what? I won't be able to look at myself in the mirror if I lose money on this thing. And I didn't try to do what I could do. So I went out and hit the streets and just gave it everything I had. So... I would say if you wanted to look at traits, it's number one, being positive and open for anything, having a lot of grit. Um, that's, that's probably the most important is grit because you get told no, you get told you're insane, you get told you don't know what you're doing. And if you listen to these people who are usually authoritarians in their space telling you this, then you'll never do anything. You, you'll only do what that man could do. You'll never do what you could do. And you'll never know what you could do because you never tried. And so, you know, one little story about that, about grit, is that when I built the first high rise that we had ever built here at the company, 
in Chicago, Envy, um, which won high rise of the year, by the way, um, and was a huge financial success. Uh, we went to 126 banks, 126 banks before one said yes. I mean, at about 80, you start to lose faith. At 80? I would have. Well, for me, like, man, maybe even someone with high grit in around 80 would be like, this is a loser, right? And I said, no, unacceptable. I'm not. I refuse to quit. And uh, the very last bank I met with was a guy who was the chairman of the bank. And in sitting there with the guy, we started talking. And the one thing we bonded around was the fact his father had left him the bank to take over and my father was leaving me my company to take over. And so we had that kind of, you know, dutiful son, have to deliver, you know, pressures on you kind of thing. And I said to myself, as I was sitting there, this guy is going to do the deal. And I sat there and told that guy about the lunch money I borrowed and paid back from the third grade and why I was a good bet and this, that, and everything else. And that guy was the only guy who did the deal. And after 126 banks said, no, that guy said yes. And if I didn't have tons of grit, uh, you know, in my corner as a uh, attribute and a, and, a, and a character trait, I probably would have quit at around 10 to 15. That is awesome. I would add to that, though, just the few times I've been around you, you always make everybody, regardless of their significance or their role, feel seen. Like I've noticed that about you. So I think that's another thing that even well, I, you can't know, I offer you anything, and I appreciate that you see that because um, I'm I, one thing I am definitely not is an elitist. I could care less how much money you have in your bank account. What I do care about is what kind of human being you are, and I don't care if you're a billionaire. If you are morally bankrupt, you are persona non grata to me. I don't, I don't even care about you as a person, nor can I, because I measure the value of a human being by how many people's lives you impact for the positive. And if you impact other people's lives for the positive all, all the way around, you're a great human being. And if you're somebody who is self-serving counting the bank account as your self-worth. And if someone can't help you climb the ladder, they're not important. I just, I don't have a very, I, I'm just, I don't have a very good view of you. Well, this has been such a treat for me because I love talking to people that are passionate and my goodness, this is something that you're so passionate about. I'm like all the gestures and everything. I feel your energy coming through the screen. So is there anything that we left on the table that you want to kind of leave as our partner? You know, look, uh, all, all I can say is that in all my research and study of human beings, human nature, why we're here, what makes us tick um, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> it was very interesting that, you know, all of this uh, turn of events came about, all this vision and plan and everything during the pandemic. So, you know, we took the opportunity. A lot of people just said, you know what, this is a great uh, chance to just do nothing and sit on their hands and, you know, go home and crack open the bottle of wine and watch every single uh, thing on Netflix and, uh, and, and sit and talk about how the world might end, right? Well, we didn't do that. We held summits at my lake house, uh, late night campfire sessions, planning about how we would come out of this thing different. And what were the things in the world that were changing and how would we meet those challenges? And first and foremost, I said, I'm going to build an environment that is next generation, 
That is something different than anybody has put into place. And I'm going to infuse a health and wellness as a paramount to being part of this company is taking care of yourself for the long term, because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I have 30 year employees and 20 year employees. And I want to be able to look out at those guys and say, I have a happy, healthy, satisfied team member and not I have a, a employee that owes his soul to the company store. And the minute that he doesn't perform, he's fired and get rid of him. And, uh, you know, I came from that mentality. I mean, that that was what was ingrained in me as a business leader my entire life. And the first go round, I ran my company like the military. And there was not a lot of sympathy and there was not a lot of empathy and there was not a lot of understanding. Now, I may have done that personally because it's who I am with the people one on one. But the culture was the opposite oh, of that. Yeah. Very cold. And it was all about results. And if you don't perform, get out and all that kind of stuff. And I look back on it and recognize there was a time and place for that in the world. It's not anymore. Uh, no one puts up with that. People recognize their value. Uh, they want to know that their employer understands and sees the value in them. And that promotes them as a human being and not just as an employee. And so that realization kind of dawned on me and became my passion and my mission for the kind of company that I want to build for the future. And we've got a really good start going. And by the way, Barbara, it's just the inning one. This is like a big social experiment, to be honest with you, and watching how human beings react to the stimulus you put in front of them, to the education you put in front of them, to see what they like and what they don't like, what works and what doesn't. And so we, we still got the, the laboratory going over here as we continue to test various things as to what works and what doesn't. But the employees have met the call. They have taken it on their own to, uh, to embrace this. And the stories that come out of these people and how it's changing their life is so inspiring to me as a leader that it makes me want to do more. It makes me want to create more. It makes me want to push our boundaries more to see exactly how far we can take this uh, across the board, both at our sites and at our corporate office. So we haven't made it to the sites yet, just a little bit. And that could be our next podcast. Is <laughs> yeah. I talk, this is all corporate moves we made. But again, I'm a very, or I like to believe that I'm a very authentic person. I can't fake with my energy and how I am. It's very hard for me to fake believing in something. And it's very impossible for me to get behind something I don't believe in. And so we started this whole journey at the corporate office. And when I saw how these people took to it and engaged in it, this is the start of what will transpire on our sites. We've got our first property, Calabra Commons, which is Lynn Living at Calabra. And we have launched a very light version of this. And the, the, if you talk about employees being happy that you invest time in them, imagine residents and how they feel when you have free nutrition classes free workout classes, free yoga sessions, free education on health and wellness, how they must feel about the company that they spend their rent dollars with, taking time to invest 
to get the most out of the residents that they're in and what that must do to their mindset. So we're looking at smashing down all of the traditional relationships between tenant landlord and trying to create a unified group that wants the best for the community all the way around from the cleanliness of it to the health of the residents to the events that are happening on site that there's no reason it has to be a you versus them mentality. It should be a we're all working together to create the best environment for everyone and be on the same page. And that's what we're looking to do with these initiatives. That's huge. And the ripple effect that it'll have is, like you said, everything goes downstream. So those residents, their kids, it's just, it's such a cool movement. Yeah, thank you. I want to say thank you for your time. And I've had so much fun. And if you were faking this, like you get an Emmy because (laughs) I mean, this is so good. So thanks, David. It's been so great. And we'll, we'll do a round two when you've got a little bit of data under your belt to talk about what's going on at the community. Great. All right. Thanks, Barbara. You have a great day.